Welcome everyone to the world of Pokemon. My name is Professor Dogwood. Everyone calls me the Pokemon Professor. That's right, this world is widely inhabited by mysterious creatures. Now please tell me, are you a boy or are you a girl? First choice is so hard. It's like, this is actually the Silicon Sasquatch podcast. I'm going to be... I'm actually a boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's our custom intro for the week. Thank you, Professor Dogwood, um, otherwise known as Tyler Martin. We are here to talk about Pokemon X and Y, uh, which just came out uh, last week. And I'm joined here today. My name is Nick Cummings. I guess I'm hosting this um, already train wreck. And I'm joined here today by... Um, so your name's Nick Cummings. What a wonderful name. And this is my <laughs> grandson. What was his name again? Gary. That guy's a dick. Yeah, Gary was a piece of shit. It's all agree. Yeah, he was aggressive. Yeah. Very aggressive. I wonder what he's doing these days. Commitment to the gimmick. I love you, Tyler. <laughs> he's just going to keep talking like that throughout the entire podcast. <laughs> yeah. So some some less inspired introductions. I'm joined here with uh, also uh, Doug Bonham. Hello. I am the Pokemon newbie of the group. No, don't sound so resigned. You have a world of excitement to explore. <laughs> you played like the really old Game Boy ones, didn't you? Nope. Holy shit. What? Really? I didn't have a game. This is kind of jumping in and and jumping the lead a little bit, but this is really my first full time experience with it. I've had um, Diamond or Pearl on the DS, but I played it for a bit and then gave up on it. And I I never had a Game Boy until a Game Boy Advance, and I never got into Pokemon when I had a Game Boy Advance. So this is really a first time for me. Well, I'm glad we finally got Doug to pop his Pokemon cherry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, everybody gave up on Diamond and Pearl, just so you know. So, you're okay. not the only one. And I'm also joined today by uh, our resident Poke Master, uh, Aaron Thayer, who uh, has just managed to collect every single Pokemon in every stage of evolution in, I'm guessing, what must be a very treasured DS cart. Yes, and I will uh, give credit where it's due. This is a joint um, ownership, so... Uh, between my girlfriend Megan and I, she actually helped to spur this <laughs> feverish collectathon that's been going on since last year when uh, Black and White 2 came out on the DS. So we, yes, have together every single Pokemon except for the event legendaries, like I think Celebi is one, those special ones that they would give out at the stupid tournaments or at a McDonald's near you that. If you didn't get it at the time, then you're kind of shit out of luck. But they don't really count the Pokédex for the hardcore people, which I already hate but, admitting this. So, But do you have Mew? Uh, she does, yes. <gasps> then who cares? Yeah, I mean, we've got all 151. You, you've won. Yeah. And so there's up to, what, 649 before X and Y came out, just to put that out there for our audience. There were 649 total before X and Y released. And there's, what, like 69 new Pokemon? Something like that. Not as many as you would expect, but then there's all the Mega Evolutions, which I guess count towards the new Pokedex. Either way, none of us have beat the game yet. They don't. Okay. They don't appear in the Pokedex at all. In any case, there's a whole mess of Pokemon just roaming around in this new region, which is, I guess, based on France for some reason. So, uh, to start things off, though... I, I kind of dig it. I like that it's in France. It actually feels like a new place as opposed to all the other ones where it's just like, this is not Japan. Wink, nudge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's got its own like, little Eiffel Tower in the middle of a Pokeball. 
that's kind of cool as far as architecture goes. Everybody's a pretty elitist asshole too, like in that boutique. Yeah, you have these like mansions full of artwork in the middle of the countryside. It's it's very. They keep sneaking in like short French phrases and everything. Yeah, like I know there's been at least one Trebian. I'm waiting for a Zutelor, but just keep playing, man. Gym number five. I got a feeling. Surprised I haven't seen any Mister Mimes yet. Oh, there's a whole cave full. Yeah, there was a horde battle or swarm. Uh, there's a swarm of Mime Juniors, and that's just nightmare. Sounds fucking awful. It is. It is. So, to kick things off here, I thought I would uh, pose a question to the group, beginning with uh, Mr. I have the complete Pokedex, so <laughs> bow before me. Um, since you've played all the Pokemon games up to this point, I'm coming from a perspective of somebody who played Blue and Red a lot back when they came out in 1998 here in the U.S., but kind of lost track of the series up until Black and White 2. It's been a pretty conservative series from most points of view in terms of how each new features were added from version to version. They would add the berries, they'd add like the different bag slots that kind of crept into online play over time through the DS games. How how big of a difference is there between the last game, uh, Black and White 2, and uh, X and Y, now that we've finally made the move to the 3DS, from your point of view? I would say it's still fairly incremental. Uh, if we strip away the graphic overhaul, uh, the additional, uh, I would say, easiness to the gameplay, so the uh, experience share, which for those who have played it by now, you get it pretty quickly once you start the game. You can just turn it on. It's a key item that allows you to share po- uh, experience with all the Pokemon in your party. The fact that you get experience from capturing them, which never happened before, you would only have to uh, kill them or make them faint. Is hey, the- hey, hey, hey. There's yeah. no killing in Pokemon. <laughs> not, not. Yeah, we are we are no kill trainers in this site. Well, being the guy that has like the the Chinese Animal Farm version of Pokemon in his DS, I probably have like no sympathy for these animals I have caged and alive. It's I don't really think the sick. visual upgrade can really be understated, though. I mean, no, no, it's that's... never something they've gone for, and it's not that they couldn't have. There were plenty of like full 3D RPGs on the DS. Yeah. Did you play Black and White too, though? Me. I thought that was pretty impressive. It was. It's still that like top-down perspective, and it was still pretty tame as far as like other DS titles go. I mean, they, there were Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy titles on DS that looked incredible. So I don't want to bog down in the details between the two, but I will. here's my comparison, and then I want to say the reason that I play the series and why I think X and Y have, have recaptured a bit of the original magic as it were, of playing the first game, Red, for me. So, Black and White 2, it was, in my opinion, having at that point when the game came out, um, played Diamond and Pearl over, had played Ruby over, had played Heart Gold and Soul Silver to catch all of them up to that point, and Black and White 1, of course. Um, so I've seen all the games, but the original gold and silver and red and blue, which I know how those play. You can play those online on a flash version. So they don't really really hold up as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're, they're free online. Pretty easy to track down, um, without a ROM. So I remember thinking in the lead up to X and Y that I was really surprised that Nintendo never made any effort to get those original games in the virtual console on 3DS. 
I, but that's the thing is when you get into the whole collecting aspect, or if you were, I don't expect anybody to do this because it's insane, but um, <laughs> you, you find that they have very strategically skipped the problem of having a generational hardware difference that, okay, the Game Boy 1 or Game Boy Color, there's no connection to the Game Boy Advance or the, the so on and so forth. So they redid the remakes in Fire Red and Leaf Green to allow access to those Pokemon who could then be transferred to the third gen, which was uh, Diamond and Pearl, or I'm sorry, fourth gen, that was Diamond and Pearl. Fifth gen was Black and White, Black and White 2, and this is now the sixth generation on the 3DS. So anyway, um, Black and White 2 was basically created as a temporary fix before X and Y, and to enable those who were collecting to fill the Pokédex because they had this thing called uh, a, a Pokémon called an Audino, which if you ran through the grass or whatever a certain amount of times at a random interval, it would start shaking in the grass, and then an Audino usually would be there, which gave like 5,000 experience for making it faint. It was ridiculous. So you'd be able to level up your Pokémon fast, um, there were special Pokemon in Black and White 2 that you couldn't catch in the other games, even Black and White 1. They basically, since the SP era and the Game Boy Advance era, have been releasing these games strategically to allow people to keep getting these these Pokemon that weren't available anymore from the first gen and second gen. So they knew what they were doing, and that's what Black and White 2 was, is to enable you to get that complete Pokedex before this whole new generation comes out. And then there's stuff that we can talk about related to how they're going to transfer between those, the the DS and the 3DS. But all right, so not to get like, too deep down this semantic yeah. hole, but I don't, I don't really follow like how did Black and White two and how did this Audino thing enable that? I don't I understand the connection. Was there. it not possible to have a complete Pokedex before Black and White two? Uh, really, no. Unless you had all the games, you could almost catch just with the Heart Gold and Soul Silver. I built both basically and black and white one and two just those two generations you could pretty much catch every single one without needing to go back to ruby sapphire and emerald or even diamond and pearl but it made it easier for us if we went back to those games and then traded up from game boy advance to ds to the other ds games like in this whole trading chain and import chain the audino part i was just mentioning because it was they've never had like this just farming Pokemon specifically kind of designed to give high experience to level up Pokemon faster to beat the game to then like literally again I'm not trying to get down the 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 whole rabbit hole like you said but I'm still trying to get to my first point so next to the Pokemon daycare in um, black and white 2 was the this patch of grass that Basically, if you did the whole bicycle running back and forth, the Audino would appear and you'd fight that. So you could hatch an egg really quickly, go right next door to this patch of grass, level up that Pokemon so it would evolve quickly, and then put it right back in the daycare and repeat the process. That They made it easy that way. So What does putting it back in the daycare do? Well, I mean, like, uh, sorry, putting it back to the PC. So I oh, have okay. a Ditto... I God, I'm so sad. So I have a Ditto in Black and White 2... That by the time I finished my kind of assignments of getting certain Pokemon, was put in there at like around level 38 or something, and is now level 88 just from spending all the time in the daycare fucking all the other Pokemon to make copies. 
So, <laughs> like, that is its job. And apparently, my ditto, for whatever reason, the nature or something, it really is a horny piece of shit. And it, it like, as soon as I leave the daycare, there's an egg. Megan, her, her ditto, takes forever to make an egg. And apparently, if you get a Japanese ditto, then it is even hornier. I don't know. It's There's some weird stuff in this. Like there's we stay out of like fun fact in Japanese the daycare is actually a love hotel. Yeah, no, it it, oh it is. If you have an international ditto, then it breeds faster, and uh, it's kind of there's that seedy underbelly of Pokemon that they don't tell the children; they just collect them. But so Black and White Two is a bridge game. You get maybe it's just our Puritan background in American Pokemon. Yeah, I mean, God and. The stuff I've been, I was reading up until Saturday, last Saturday. Um, we're recording this on Friday, so last weekend, the stuff I was reading, uh, building up to um, the release of X and Y, were <laughs> things like conspiracy theories of. Uh, so I think, or people think that Ditto is actually a failed copy of Mew. There are Pokemon the, conspiracy theories. It's it's out there, man. It's mo- follow the money. Yeah. It, it's sad. What, is the, what is the Pokemon equivalent of chemtrails? <laughs> uh, missing no, that it was... Oh, no, Kangaskhan was supposed to be the mother of Cubone, but then they took that out in the first game. Oh, so, God. So, again, if you guys wanted to talk about specifics, I would just disgust all of you, but... I'm already halfway there. Yeah. After Black and White 2, um, that's the bridge game for us who were trying to collect them all. And catch them all that enabled that so x and y come along and there's no immediate ability to transfer over so you're kind of just there to enjoy this whole new world in 3d and way back to tyler's point minutes ago you know not disregarding the visuals but if you look at the actual gameplay itself um despite the additions to make it fresh to, to the online which i know you guys have um before we were recording, talk kind of highly of, so I'll let you guys talk about that. But the online aspect, the visuals, the things like the experience share, getting experience for capturing them, those enable a, a, a twist on the gameplay, but it's still going gym to gym. It's still um, doing the rock, paper, scissors gameplay, which overall is still perfect for me. If they change the gameplay and how you battled, how the, the types and moves worked, the entire formula would fall in on itself. It, it would just not work, in my opinion, and they did not need to change that. Everything that they needed to do to make this a whole new evolution of the series, as much as they could, they did. And this is coming from someone who has played every single game, aside from the original two generations on Game Boy, in the last year pretty severely. Well, the repetitious nature and the, the grind-a-thon gameplay is what kind of ruined the DS versions for me. Like, I... I was pretty much like you, Aaron, up until the DS on like the Diamond and Pearl, the Black and White, the Black and White Two, and I at least like I dipped my toe in the water with all of those games, but I didn't finish any of them. But I played the hell out of the Game Boy Advance games, both uh, Ruby and Sapphire, and the remakes. And but for some reason, just on the DS, like it, it just felt like really we're doing this again. But with X and Y, like I'm thoroughly hooked like it feels like a new game to me and it feels like the not just the graphics but just like enabling you to level up faster it's just like oh finally they get it like i don't want to sit here and do this for hours and hours on end and even though it is still like the same formula like i'm still enjoying myself the only problem i'm having so far is just like 
feels like I selected the easy mode when I started the game because I am leveling up so fast that I am just steamrolling every trainer I come across, even in gyms. <laughs> like, there's just zero challenge for me whatsoever. I was reading an interview with the uh, lead developer on that, and they he said that they purposely designed, decided to um, ease the difficulty through the main campaign up through like the Elite Four or whatever the equivalent is in this game because they are trying to gear it towards people who may have never played a Pokemon game before. That's such a Nintendo mentality, though. I'm so sick of that in Nintendo games. Just this assumption that, like, I've never played a video game before. It's like, but does it actually detract from the experience of X and Y? No, but I would appreciate the option to be able to have, like, a either just disregard tutorials entirely, or even just have, like, a hard mode or a professional mode or something like just something that's like I do like I understand like you want to make this family friendly game but let me engage in a challenge if that's what I want because there was a point there was a point in time when P- Nintendo made challenging games where they made like interesting games that you actually had to think outside the box to accomplish and they still do like maybe just not Nintendo proper maybe not NCL but like uh, retro, like Donkey Kong, like that's legitimately challenging platformer. I've played lots of challenging Nintendo games, like Super Mario 3D Land comes to mind. Fire Emblem Awakening is really tough. Pikmin 3. But Fire, Fire Emblem has a difficulty. You can choose easy, you can choose hard, you can choose casual, you can choose like the permadeath mode. That's true. Think- and it, was, it was developed by Intelligent Systems, I think, so it's not in-house. Just, but then again, neither is Pokemon. Just to interject, think about it this way, Tyler, for the difficulty aspect. What have they been building up to since they introduced online features? I think that the whole goal with X and Y, again, I I haven't finished it either yet, but you go through the campaign of sorts, you build up your team, and then because they have done such a good job with the online features, there's your hard difficulty. There's your difficulty battling people around the world. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think it's more like an MMO or Guild Wars in that sense, where the campaign is there to introduce you to the mechanics and, and get you to level up your team and get familiar with it, then the real challenge for most people comes in once you finish the campaign. Well, then they need to go a step farther. They need to go full Dark Souls. They need to do it to where I can see... <laughs> I don't mean, like, crazy hard. I mean, to the point where you can see other trainers online in your game and challenge them, rather than having people appear on the bottom screen and have to select them and engage them in battle. I should just... I know. I th- Yeah, I think they will get there. And the the biggest problem with online battles is just the, the leveling problem, like having people that are just like crazy over leveled for where you are. Like that's where they do. Welcome to online games. Yeah, and I know in Black and White too, it would equalize your. It levels. does that in uh, X and Y too. I had a battle in the first hour uh, of playing after getting my starters, and I had three Pokemon total. It put me up to when I accepted this random online battle invite. All of my Pokemon were level 50 by default, and so were the challengers. He just had better Pokemon, so he won. And it was this guy from Australia who is now an acquaintance on the list on the player search system. So they did that in Black and White 2 with the battle subway. You pick whatever Pokemon you want, but it equalizes them to a certain level. There are ways to, there are modes where you don't have to do that. But even if the levels are equalized, you don't have the moves that you learn as you get to those levels, and your Pokemon don't evolve as if they were at those levels. It's just like you're literally taking that Pokemon and giving them level 50 stats. So that's that's what I was getting to, which, you know, I've already talked at length, so I'll shut up after this, but... Um, 
that's where you get into the stat training, the effort value training, as it was called, which is now the strength training and the the way more accessible um, app in X and Y. So you breed Pokemon with the right uh, nature that either influ- uh, influences whatever stat you want. Some will be better at attack. Some will be worse at special attack. Whatever you want that's good for that Pokemon, you then do the stat training to level them up better. So even at like level 10, through breeding, they have like a surf or some really strong move and then you could theoretically go online and equalize it to level 50 and still kick ass. So that's where the extra difficulty comes in, which was never, in my opinion, accessible until these games. It sounds like that game you're looking for is out there. You just need to, we just need to suffer through um, a pretty delicate learning curve up to that point. And like, I, I, I totally get where your frustration is coming from, but as somebody who was turned off by the grinding and difficulty of getting through, just like the boredom and tedium of getting through Black and White 2, for me. I really appreciate the fact that this is a very pick-up-and-play game where I always feel like I make progress. I don't have to, like, I don't faint after trainer battles. I don't feel like I have to keep running back to the Pokemon Center after every two or three encounters. Mm-hmm. It feels like a much more uh, fair progression to it. I would like to see more challenging opportunities in the meantime. Like if I want to do a challenging round of uh, trainers as a side quest, that'd be a lot of fun. And I wish that was there, but. And I don't um, want to over emphasize like my frustration. Like I'm still greatly enjoying the experience for me right now though. It's more just a, it's an exploration and finding new Pokemon kind of enjoyment, not an actual like battling enjoyment. Uh, Your point's good though, like in terms of Nintendo stuff, sometimes is like, oh, the first Zelda or this Zelda is going to be the first Zelda for somebody, so we have to put it down to everybody's level. But in this case, with with Pokemon X and Y, this really is my first X or my first Pokemon again. Uh, I tried Diamond or Pearl, one of the two on the DS, but I got turned off kind of by that grindy nature that you have to have that what you guys talked about. Uh, I think I got to like the second gym and then I, my Pokemon were way under leveled and I didn't want to go grind and something else happened. And I don't know, it was college. Something else came up. <laughs> so I, I totally got bored that. of that. And I think contextually it's important to keep in mind that those games we were talking about, like Dragon Quest eight or nine or whatever was on the DS. Like, that was a very grind heavy game that turned off a lot of people, myself included. And Japanese RPGs for a long time have kind of been perceived uh, often rightfully. So as having, too much of an emphasis on drawing out playtime by requiring grinding between bosses, between dungeons, that kind of thing. So, uh, from my point of view, it seems pretty progressive the way that they've streamlined the uh, single-player experience like this. Yeah, and it sounds like they put a lot of effort into post-game, as you would call it. So, after the main narrative's done in Pokemon X and Y, just from the reading I've done this past week or so, in reading up on the game, reading reviews, it sounds like there are some cool stuff and some things that are driving my friends to a bunch of my pe- bunch of my friends coming out of the woodwork to say, "Hey, add me on your friends list," so that you have that friends code base built up for when you do the post game because it relies on that is what I'm hearing. Well, that's been the case for Pokemon games from the start. There's always like some whole bunch of extra stuff after you finish the Elite Four, after you become the world champion. I hope it's like rewarding stuff though. I don't know if any of you guys have finished all the gems. I'm guessing not. No. But I remember like in, when I played Gold. I got through the eight gyms, beat the Elite Four, and then crossed this waterfall bridge and realized I had to do the entire first region again, and I never played the game again. <laughs> I just saw that and I was like, no. I love that part. That was the best part of Gold and Silver. That was the best in game, because the rest are just catching legendary Pokemon usually, so. No, none of the other games have anything that 
in depth or that extreme. It just felt like a bait and switch to me. Maybe I was just coming out from the wrong angle, but I'd never played that game again. And also finally finding red at the end of it all. That dude was crazy strong. (laughs) That fucking like level 80 Pikachu. (laughs) I know, bro. I know. Dude was a beast. (laughs) Oh, so that's where the name Pokemon, that's where the Pokemon trainer red comes from. Yeah, their default names were red and blue. At the at the very end of the post game, green actually. Well, in Japan, yeah. In Japan, just just to be technical, everyone. You watched the like uh, Pokemon Origins anime, or they just came out I, with. I did, yeah. I really, I really fucked up my life in so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> no, it. I. I mean, come on. Like, I will fully admit here, full disclosure, that. Um, I still, on occasion, will try to catch up with Naruto. That's like the only Japanese anime that I will even have a modicum of um, effort put into. Come on, how many Pokemon movies have you seen? That, I will admit, I have not seen one since the first one that came to the U.S. I have not watched any of the rest of them or kept up on the actual anime since the first season. Um, I just watched this because it was a miniseries, and it was kind of a lead-up and a tie-in to X and Y. Um, I'm not going (laughs) to... talk about it at length but it is essentially a retelling of the japanese red and green games um basically word for word and it has some cool homages to how the game boy games work so it's not kind of just its own thing like the the whole ash catchem stuff is but i did appreciate how each episode started with like the original like game boy menu like select like continue game new game yeah and it would save <laughs> at the end of the episode so but yeah, like they did it take like forty five seconds to save. No, it was very fast. Oddly <laughs> enough, that's kind of some um, some retconning that they did. But yeah, at the end of that whole thing, they they added the Mega Charizard in to fight Mewtwo as a way to kind of like link the fact that X and Y was coming out that next week or next month. So, but yeah, like they clearly know what they were doing with this game. I, I don't know about you guys. Like, how have you um, so far in to to where each of you are at in the game? Do you think that the visual overhaul is the most important part, or is it the gameplay additions? What what's drawn you the most back into this game specifically? Hats. <laughs> so trainer customization. You're on that TF2 level. Hats and hat accessories. Yeah, full <laughs> valve. But no, I do think that the the updated graphics are a big deal, uh, especially like I mean, I don't know. on the DS. Like even if you think that they were like increasing the graphical fidelity it just felt very slow to trot whereas this feels like a much more dramatic leap over previous games having those fully polygonal animated models rather than just like more sprites i actually i (laughs) I was gonna disagree with you but now that i think about it that is really important like most of the game's value comes from like finding little dudes that you really like and then catching them and training them and when they're animated in a really, you know, kind of plausible way like that, it goes a long way towards making it more compelling, I think. It's actually kind of strange now seeing the older ones animated alongside the newer ones, because it's obvious that the newer ones were given a little bit more attention, and they just feel more, I don't know, more apt for this new game. Like, it's everything from the way that they move to, like, even the sounds they make. Like, if you listen to the sounds, like, the ones from Generation 1 make, it's, like, the super... It's the same sounds, basically, aside from maybe Pikachu, who's, yeah. who just says Pikachu. But, like, <laughs> I got a, a Bulbasaur, and it makes, like, the same sound that it made in the Game Boy games. It's just like, oh, that sounds terrible now. I kind of like that bit of nostalgia, but, yeah, it is kind of shocking, like... The the game the characters made for the game, especially the starters, seem much more fully realized for that animation style. 
uh, than the game, the Pokemon they brought back from previous games. Perhaps that's why, at least for me, I really like almost all the designs I've seen for the the new additions. I think Tyler's kind of right that uh, it just they seem perhaps unfairly designed for 3D space where in a way that the 2D drawings from the the concept art then translated to pixel art had its own um, style, but the whole 3D inclusion allows them to go a little bit more detailed in a way they couldn't before, which is great. I guess they did that for Pokemon Snap, but I hate that game, so... (laughs) Alternatively, though, I am glad that they uh, sort of give up the ghosts that they've had in other uh, sequels, like uh, Ruby and Sapphire or Black and White, where they're going to pretend that there aren't this like huge canon of existing Pokemon. It's like we're going to make you see like all new Pokemon for the first like majority of the game before you finish the main quest, and then you can catch the old bastards. But <laughs> now it's like from get go, you can just find new guys and old guys, and I think that makes much more sense for the history of Pokemon. Than it's like we're just going to give you all new versions of the stuff you already know. I think it's smart, too, because they're catering to both the faithful who've played every game to death and the people who've been out of the loop for a while. Like, I love that I could catch a Pikachu along with, like, a brand new, like, like and bring it into my party with my brand new Fanicam, for example. Yeah, it's obvious in that they give you two starters, and plus, there are a lot of Pokemon they give away. Like, you get a Lapras for free. Oh, sweet. You get... Oh, crap, I forgot the others. But yeah, you get your new generation starters and then just an hour later you'll get your charmander bulbasaur squirtle option or three hours later if you're like me and playing it really slowly Uh, yes your mileage may vary (laughs) (laughs) baby steps baby steps i guess like just to kind of answer aaron's question too i do think the graphics made a big difference bigger than i would have expected but for me the best thing has been uh seeing so many of my like the frustrating points addressed in terms of little inefficiencies in the interface and in the like the flow of the game that have been ironed out so well. Roller skates. Roller skates. <laughs> Hell yeah. They they're not perfect. You know, like collision can be kind of a pain, yeah. but getting around with like this constant fast moving option is pretty great. And it uses the circle pads analog movement really nicely. Uh, plus you can do a cool little spin move if you spin the circle pad. I did not know pretty that. Badass. Oh cool. Yeah. You do a little spin. Um, there's an achievement for it. They give you the bike pretty early on as well. If you yeah, spin them fast enough, do they vomit? <laughs> <laughs> My, I actually have yeah, one little gripe from the interface from actually Black and White 2 is the reason I liked it a little bit more just from a uh, organization sense is in Black and White 2 you had an entire hot list to the Y button. Like you press Y and you could literally have your um, map sure but you could have your actual pokemon shortcut on that list and you could have your bike and all the other key items your metal case for all the like kind of in-game achievements they did um i'm kind of thinking that because black and white 2 even though you guys didn't finish it maybe i think it sounds like um they added so much stuff in there and before x and y for me it was actually my favorite pokemon game um, black and white 2 because they added way more and made it more efficient in that old generation style i think that can you elaborate on that because i never saw those uh new efficiencies yeah stuff like the the audino training so easier to level up um the daycare being uh, closer and having that experience uh point the fact that wasn't the daycare not accessible until late in the game though no in black and white too it was later in the game yeah but you 
It was like halfway through, right? Somewhere around there. Um, the online sort of the training aspect and as far as online features, they were better. But from a gameplay point, from what I noticed, you could go back to the cities and redo um, these battles every single day to get experience and money. Use an amulet coin and you double your money so you never run out of money to buy stuff or buy new fire stones or whatever, which in the past used to be hard to find, or maybe there were only a couple in a game. So all of these things, and again, this is my perspective from trying to catch them all, they actually made it way easier for those individuals. So for you guys just playing through and then like, okay, I beat the game, I'm done. I could see where it might not seem more efficient, but compared to all the previous games, and just to point it out, Ruby and that generation sucked ass. Like if you go back and play it for me, terrible almost worse than diamond and pearl but <laughs> black and white 2 diamond and pearl sucks. yeah they were terrible games but black and white 2 made that easier um so i think that all those features because they had even like those achievement um kind of coins you would get the medals where mm-hmm. if you did certain things like a hundred trades or a hundred uh, pokemon hatched you would get these little medals that didn't do anything other than you would collect them and add them to your trainer card for online kind of um, bragging the joint avenue which was this avenue that uh, as you um, more people more npcs or more people you connect with over the the link aspect you would have this whole kind of shopping mall that you could level up to where you would have a, a an egg breeder there that would then um, hatch eggs for you. You would have someone who would have uh, like a salon that would basically you could buy with money happiness increases. So if you evolve through happiness, then you just buy it. You would have uh, food that would be stat training. There was a gym training stuff. Like they had this as part of everything else they did to make it so much fucking easier for you to level your characters and to level the Pokemon. So point is this does sound efficient but i mean it all just sounds like band-aids on the problems of pokemon yeah. it doesn't sound like they were actually really fixing anything it was just like they were giving you workarounds it's interesting too that you saw from that perspective aaron because when i got to join avenue i was like why the hell would i bother with this cosmetic bullshit like i just want to get to the end of the game and beat the elite four so you know coming from the perspective of somebody who's been out of the loop for a while and just wanted to recapture that pokemon experience that all kind of felt like, you know, band-aids on a really old antiquated system. Yeah. But it makes sense now that you've kind of explained where you were coming from and like suffering through the older systems, how big that was. And really for Nintendo on a DS game, that's some pretty uh that's a pretty big step forward in terms of like social features and bringing in online play in a more static way. Yeah. There there was a schism I think after Gold and Silver on the original Game Boy Color that all those other generations of games because they eventually had switched hardware at that point, were just band-aids to the original idea that, yeah, it's not as easy to carry over your Pokemon anymore or to transfer them, so we have to invent all of these weird fixes before the online and the idea of the Pokemon in the cloud, which is a service that they're going to launch later for X and Y, um, where you can upload Pokemon from the black and white games to a cloud service for, I believe, five bucks a year to store them there. So now that you can transfer them into an actual digital format that won't be tied to hardware, I think that they will go back in the next games if there's maybe a Z, which I don't know if they'll do that. Or Come on. happens after X and Y. <laughs> They're going to make a Z. There's already a Pokemon. There's already a legendary with like a Z name. Like it's all ready to go. But does it look like a Z? It's a ZZ top. It has a beard. It's like a snake. You could really like easily make it look like a Z. 
It even has the color scheme, like X is blue, Y is red, and then Z is green. So then I'll, I'll, my word, my, my words on this, so um, prove me wrong if they make a Z, they will add in some of the features that they had in Black and White 2 back to the, the new games. I think the X and Y pulled back a little bit and scaled back and just focused on, okay, easy to access, you've got a whole new visual style, it's really cool, and you can level up stuff super fast. Let's not complicate it any more than that. Predictably, they're going to add those new features in. They're going to add in more post-game bonus content. And if they can figure out a way to make it work in the engine, they're probably going to add a whole lot more 3D to it because there's nothing in There was talk about doing DLC. DLC? Yeah, that was back in June, so maybe it hasn't panned out, but there were discussions of potentially having DLC in the new games, whatever that would mean. Hmm. Well, DLC on 3DS and on Nintendo games is still pretty few and far between, so I'd be pretty surprised if anything significant came out of that. I think Fire Emblem had a pretty robust DLC system, though. Yeah, it had a really robust one. It's kind of overwhelming if you start in the game now. But point point is, I think that they scaled back the features that in Black and White 2, again, were targeted more to the hardcore and seeing people like myself, they'll add those back in once they open the floodgates, as it were, to import or bring in all of the other Pokemon from the previous generations that aren't in the current X and Y format. And then my life will just be gone again. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, as long as, as far as addictives, like addictions go, this isn't the worst one to have in the world, I would imagine. No, no, there's way worse ones. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of um, just getting into the flow of things and like this game being a little bit more accessible uh doug you said this is the first pokemon game that you've actually gotten into with any degree of success um how has it been so far like as somebody who probably you know had friends who played the original game boy game and all that but didn't really get involved Mm -hmm. um how how is it approaching this game that's like you know clearly based on old mechanics but updated for a new generation are you does it feel fresh to you yeah, um, I think at the very core, Pokemon has a very addictive, very solid sort of gameplay system in itself. Go collect everything, go do these rock, paper, scissors, basic RPG battles, and level up your characters, and then there's all the intricate like breeding stuff for the people who are really crazy. So that the basic core that's survived from the very beginning is is good. They started with a very good base. So really, like it hasn't evolved that much is okay, because the the basics there are great. For me, the graphics are nice because it's it's much cooler to see everything in full 3D and like looking at the fights now, like they do these crazy like little camera zooms and stuff. It's like I can't believe they just did this quick camera zoom shot for a freaking <laughs> Pokemon battle. But hey, stuff gets tense. I, I I know it can get really tense. I'm sure. But the most important part is like what you said is the gameplay, like. For young children and for babies like me, it's best to <laughs> have that gameplay where you feel like you're continuing to strive and you can collect a ton of Pokemon. Like, I spent I, the reason I'm like three hours in and only just beat the first gym is because I was spending time trying to chase down some Pokemon in that first woods area you get. And it was really fun. Like, I'd heard on, on a guide that there's a good Pokemon to get to start there, like the three little fire. Uh, water and grass monkeys that you get whose names I forget. Um, Pansia, Pansage, and Panpour. Panpour. Thank yep. you. Yeah. I was trying to find one of them because I started with the grass starters. Uh, Cespin. Chespin. Chespin. 
Yeah, I started with the grass starter, so I wanted to get one of the others to complement because you know I've been reading about this stuff and I've learned that you need the complements. And I have a one of the like tables from a wiki from a wiki about who what what beats what in Pokemon and the rock paper scissors <laughs> game. Like, it's just become really fun, and I was a little hesitant to jump in because you know it's it's Pokemon, it's for kids, but and I, I had the experience with with um with diamond or pearl back on the ds and it's like oh i i see why everybody likes this but it didn't grab me but this time i think because that difficulty curve isn't as steep it's steep if you want to get into the post game i think but it's not as steep if you want to just go in there and enjoy the basic game Mm -hmm. and i think that's actually a smart idea because once you're hooked into the basic game man i can see where this rabbit hole goes so far down to make you want to collect all of them oh my friends i warn you (laughs) 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 Aaron is our walking cautionary tale. Yes. I, I guess, like, my last thought of that is I, I've had a similar reaction, and it kind of reminds me of what's happened with uh, World of Warcraft, which is, you know, kind of a dark chapter in Aaron's in my <laughs> life. But um, <laughs> We owe this website to World of Warcraft. We yeah. do, in a weird way. And nothing else. No. <laughs> we owe nothing else to that game. No, no. Our debts have been paid. Uh, the way that the, the original game took hours and hours and even days to get to the maximum level back when the it was vanilla wow as they called it and as each expansion rolled in they added more end game content the impetus on the developers was hey we need to get more people to the end so they can start maximizing all this end game content and getting really wrapped up in this persistent pursuit of better whatever it may be loot or gear or money or achievements or something else horrible uh I think Pokemon's starting to finally follow that pattern in a way that makes sense, where it's not cheapening the core experience up to that point. Like, it may be easier to level up, but the the world you're exploring feels pretty richly detailed. There's lots of little NPCs to talk to, a surprising amount of side attractions and diversions between gyms. Like, I'm probably about 20 hours in. I haven't even fought the third gym leader yet, and my Pokemon are about level 40, and... Uh, that's pretty unprecedented and I've just been I haven't been grinding or anything I've just been going off to these like the battle mansion and all these little like roadside attractions and I guess what I'm trying to say is they've smoothed out the the first part of the game in a way that's really desirable to people like me uh, I think that the real test will come down to what is it like when I reach that end game what has happened there to make it more compelling to maybe somebody who isn't necessarily coming out from a competitive perspective and might kind of get sucked in when I see you know, the right systems in place. Yeah. Like I, I think if we're talking about a game of the year or how good is this Pokemon compared to other games or other RPGs, like then the end game kind of makes a difference. But if we're just going in and having 20 hours, 30 hours, 40 hours of enjoyment and like at the end go, okay, I can, I can leave this behind or come back at a later time. Like having that smoother sailing through the time is much better. I totally agree. Uh, any parting thoughts, guys? I think it's about time to wrap this up. All I can really say is I want to be the very best. <laughs> the best there ever was. <laughs> oh, keep going if you've got it, man. Pokemon. Nope. Gotta That's... catch them all. <laughs> it's you and me. I know it's my destiny. Yeah. We're going to do an acapella version and post that up. Um, no, we're not. <laughs> Tyler, you're my best friend. In a world we must... <laughs> <laughs> That, like, is the best butt rock theme song from the 90s that just encapsulates an entire show. It really... It's like the 90s version of The Touch. <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. <laughs> it absolutely is. I was hoping for that to show up in Saints Row 4, but it didn't, so... I do kind of miss uh, Team Rocket 
the 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 new like antagonists in the games jesse and james well even just like the organization as a whole like the sort of like the bumbling mafiosos seem much more quaint than what they have now like now it's just like so deathly serious it just seems very (laughs) out of place in a pokemon game yeah it's like what is the new team called it's like team uh team flare flare yeah they're all about fashion but (laughs) i was gonna say that was uh that was spencer's contribution the other day on twitter was swag game team rocket fashion game team flare (laughs) combine the best of both worlds there i guess and on that note i'm gonna cut this off before anything else is said (laughs) exactly (laughs) well I, i i will leave my final parting thought is i absolutely adore this game which was a given considering the hours and the sadness and if i wasn't in a committed relationship with someone i love and living not in my parents house um i probably would have committed suicide by now from all the hours i put into it um not really that's not anything to joke about but it's kind of a funny thought if i was single and alone playing this game as much as i did but anyway still not sure funny is the right word but yeah go on yeah it's more black comedy humorous like tenenbaum level anyway um <laughs> pokemon black comedy with, well. <laughs> oh jesus <laughs> with with so i was gonna mention this way back when we started but you know you got me talking about pokemon and that was a bad idea so um if i think back to the first time i played any pokemon game it was red i was you know what was it 98 we were 12 um yeah sixth grade remember it well definitely had not met girls yet so that helped um i started the game up my first pokemon choice was bulbasaur still my favorite pokemon and just at that moment and seeing like okay i've got this this like magical companion thing i'm battling i'm trying to find others oh my god that one looks cool this is amazing. What is this world like? Uh, there's an adventure aspect, like it's like Zelda, but it's not. It's like Final Fantasy, and then just all this stuff. I'd never played anything like that at that time. It was amazing. It stuck with me this this entire uh, the decade plus that I haven't really been able to recapture in so so many ways. Maybe that's been the um, the specter that I've been chasing just from video gaming in general, even though I've had other experiences like that. So point is with x and y to me it feels like the change from super mario to mario 64 like the jump from the 2d version the tried and true there were some great games the gameplay was you know what it was to then all of a sudden you you have the nintendo 64 and it's all in 3d you've never seen it this way before and even though it's still a solid game the the change in visuals kind of just justifies its entire existence to you and i feel that way with x and y having played it just from the start up to where i'm at now it just works because they've done such a good job of bringing it into a new era and it's kind of recaptured some of that magic of first playing the games you know 15 years ago so i'm impressed by it and i definitely uh will keep playing it and imagine we'll be battling for it for the game of the year stuff honestly uh, we'll see about that <laughs> that's right hot <laughs> damn and we'll leave it there thanks guys for joining um we will see you again for another podcast next week yeah thank you bye goodbye
The Silicon Sasquatch Podcast is a production of SiliconSasquatch.com. Our panelists for this episode were Nick Cummings, Tyler Martin, Doug Bonham, and Aaron Thayer, and the episode was produced by Spencer Tordoff. If you'd like to hear more of our work, listen to more episodes of the podcast, or submit a story for Memory Card, our human interest podcast, the address for all of the above is SiliconSasquatch.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.